Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Manash. Today's show starts with the story of Deborah Hodge, who recently married her cat named India in a loophole scheme to avoid rental restrictions. They barred Hodge from bringing animals into her apartment. A 49-year-old woman from London devised the plan to marry her cat after already having rehomed three previous pets due to landlords who rejected pet owners from their properties. The single mom of two humans now hopes to show her commitment will prove to property owners that India is more than just an animal. But beyond the extreme measure of marriage, the question of animal rights is large and complex and varies by jurisdiction. Does a tenant have the right to have a pet living with them? If yes, are there any limits on the type of pet? Most pet owners have the traditional cat or a dog. But where is the line of acceptable? Is it okay to have a tiger as a pet? How about a wolf? What about a rattlesnake or a python? Pythons have escaped from pet owners and have infested the Everglades in Florida, affected the entire ecosystem. A parakeet is probably fine, but how about a rooster or a falcon? Many landlords charge additional fees if you have a pet. The purpose of these fees is to cover the additional costs associated with damage and cleaning that the pets are presumed to cause. Above and beyond the additional damage, pets can interfere with the lives of neighbors. Is it okay to have a tenant leave their dog on the balcony barking for hours? The rules vary by jurisdiction. Some cities have implemented local bylaws governing pets. Where I live in Ontario, Canada, the Provincial Landlord-Tenant Act does not allow the landlord to restrict tenants from having a pet. Some landlords still try to include a no-pets clause in their lease, despite the fact the clause cannot be legally enforced. In the U.S., there's a tapestry of regulations. It turns out that generally, landlords do have the right to prohibit pets of any kind on their lease premises. They also have the right to allow some pets, but not others. For example, a landlord could allow dogs, but not cats, or dogs only, if they're less than a certain size, for example, or they have the right to restrict certain breeds. In some states, a landlord can even insist that a dog or a cat be spayed or neutered. Size of the animal, breed of the animal, may all be used by the landlord to restrict ownership of the animal on the premises. But there are some exceptions. Many landlords can and do require a pet deposit to pay for the damage that an animal can cause. Consent for an animal could be withdrawn at any time if the animal becomes obnoxious or noisy, such as barking, or leaves feces in public places. There are exemptions to the right of a landlord to prohibit or impose restrictions. There are thousands of people nationwide who rely on trained guide dogs to help them with physical day-to-day activities. There are also thousands of people who rely on these same animals for emotional support, for example, for depression or anxiety. It's illegal for a landlord to refuse a tenancy to a disabled tenant who relies on a service or support animal, and that's based on the Fair Housing Act of 1988. The Department of Housing and Urban Development has recently issued new guidelines clarifying the responsibilities landlords face regarding companion animals and rental properties. The Fair Housing Act prohibits landlords from discriminating based on disability, race, color, national origin, religion, sex, or family status. The American Disabilities Association prohibits discrimination against people with disabilities in employment, transportation, public accommodations, communications, and state and local government activities. The regulations provide that housing providers under the Fair Housing Act have to provide reasonable accommodations to people with disabilities who require assistance animals. Pet restrictions cannot be used to deny or limit housing to people with disabilities who require the use of an animal because of their disability. Housing providers have to grant reasonable accommodations in those instances, and that's very clear in the law. According to HUD, two threshold questions have to be addressed when a tenant asks for a companion animal. Number one, does the person seeking to use or live with the animal actually have a disability, 
either physical or mental, that substantially limits one or more major life activities? And number two, does the person making the request have a disability-related need for an assistance animal? For example, does the animal work, provide assistance, or perform tasks for the benefit of the person with a disability? Or do they provide emotional support that alleviates some of the identified symptoms? There have been numerous documented cases of tenants putting a support pet jacket on their pet in order to fool landlords who would otherwise not permit pets. But a recent study on pet damage shows a surprising fact. Pets actually cause far less damage statistically to an apartment than children. Not only that, you can increase your revenue with pets in a way that you cannot with children. In my opinion, landlords should be embracing pets as an additional source of revenue and where necessary put the policies and cleaning in place that will keep a top quality rental property in top-notch condition. As you think about that, have an awesome rest of your day. Go make some great things happen. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.